true, you don't realize it, we're a very young church. Um, but one thing that I want to say, and I, I want to say that we find great security in, and it's been our stability, and to be honest, I think it's part of the reason that God honors the work that we're doing, is number one, we were founded um, by someone much older and wiser than us, Lou Engle, is, it was really his heart and vision to see a house of prayer planted here. Um, but we continue to walk with him, like when we're making decisions and process. I mean, most of you don't know this, but clips of certain ones of you when you're preaching or sharing or things that are taking place in worship, like I'm forever sending and, you know, we're in dialogue with him consistently. Um, but he really is a father to us personally and a covering to this work and this ministry. And then we have a, a national board that covers um, the J-Hops nationally. And then we have a local board here that we're accountable to and that we work with. And they've really been people that have been long-term. They're people like um, Mamdua Rayad, you guys know the Rayad um, girls that are here. You know, they were at our wedding when we were married. Um, but people that have really been um, family to us and have walked with us. And God has really blessed us. And this is actually an answer to prayer for us is we've had a lot of outside relationships of people that we love and esteem that speak into us. Um, but one thing that Daryl and I have always said about our board, and we prayed into this for a couple of years, is we were like, we really want like elders in our midst that can sit on our board and that are here. Like they're here, they're actually seeing, it's not just videos and reports and coming twice a year. Um, and so the Lord really answered the cry of our heart. Um, a couple of years ago, he actually brought Gary and Kathy McDonald um, to our church here. Such a blessing. Um, and so from day one, I mean, I've known of them and we've had mutual friends and I've had respect for them for years. Um, and so when they came into our midst, it was like a no-brainer that these are people that we love and we esteem and they are well-known and respected with our mutual friends. Um, and so we immediately said to them, like, you have a place and you have a place of honor in our midst. And so it's been a joy to work with them and it's been a joy to receive from them. I know many of you have gotten to hear from them when they preach during sermon series. Um, but I can honestly say for Daryl and I that when we're facing certain circumstances in this community that are challenging and hard, it's a comfort to have older people that have wisdom and experience. Like, we love all of our peers, but at some level, you do want someone that has walked <laughs> through something as you're making big decisions that affects people's lives. And so, Gary and Kathy, we just want to thank you thank for you. walking with our community, for giving leadership here, for being a voice. And do you have anything that you want to share or say or... Give a good wave. That's Gary. They are beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. I guess what we're trying to say is we don't we're not operating independently. It's just two young people trying to plant a church. We're submitted, we're undercover ing, if you would, if there's such a thing. Um, there was a book once I think written about that. Um, yeah, John, great, great book. Um, but yeah, we do. We are uh, submitted to authority, cover things through our board, uh, both nationally and locally. So she's going to also recap on some stuff we talked about last year. Um, well, you're you're gonna. Okay. <laughs> if you guys remember last year, we we talked about our foundation as far as being a praying community. For those of you that don't know. Um, this church really was born out of a prayer meeting and a prayer room and really out of a community of people. And I can say this with all sincerity because from day one when we did the 40 days, we didn't necessarily have a plan or a vision. All we had 
vision for is God to touch the people of the Northeast. And we've laid a hold of the prophetic promises of what God has spoken. And I can honestly say from working with you as a community of people that when people first come, when they hear kind of what we feel like God has spoken to us, it's amazing to me how I then begin to hear young people talk about the history of revival and missionary sending and how they want to labor in the Northeast because they want to see that happen again in just the way that God has ignited hearts with vision. And so in all honesty, we came basically to pray for the city. And even through the planting of the house of prayer, if any of you have heard the story, it was difficult. It was hard. It was laborsome. It was scary. There was poverty involved. (laughs) Um, But through that process, there was many times that I pretty much said, the only thing that I know for sure is that I'm called to pray for this city. So if I need to go get a one-bedroom apartment, work 40 hours a week, and lock myself into an apartment just to pray for Cambridge and Boston and the Northeast and the college campuses, that's the one thing that I know that I'm called to do. And so we as a community, we have never turned aside from that is that it takes precedence, it takes priority above all else. Um, and we're going to look tonight at the book of Acts as far as that really being the, the precedence as far as the New Testament church. But last year we talked about prayer as it being our foundation, um, the presence of God being our core value, that we value the presence of God and that it's him that transforms lives and transforms cities and transforms nations. It's his presence. Um, and then also people that... God is passionate about people and that therefore if we're in relationship and communion with God, he makes us passionate about people. So as much as it's very vertical, as far as communing and fellowshipping with the Lord, he then causes us to be people that really burn for the hearts of men that they might know him. And so that's really what defines us as a people is prayer, the presence of God and people that, that people would know Christ's love and that they would be touched and healed. Yeah, I think um, when we start to think about, you know, vision, you know, and we start to look at the Bible and how the Bible explains vision and how we need vision and how, in many ways, um, I think even the concept of vision within the church has been hijacked in meaning something um, so far removed uh, from the intention of, of how God first saw or envisioned vision, for us to have vision. Um, and... I think what I'm, or what I'd like to get to tonight is not to come up with like some kind of hoorah-rah plan to try to sell you something of like these long list of things that we're going to do and accomplish um, by the grace of God. I, vision for me is something very personal. It's not necessarily a plan. <laughs> I don't know if even that makes sense, but hopefully I can make sense of it. Um, one thing that has... Uh, tied me to the city. You know, it wasn't easy in the five to seven years that we were just a house of prayer, um, for many reasons. Um, it, that term may even be foreign to you, like, what's a house of prayer? I don't have time to explain it. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just a place where people... Well, but here, it's, it's really it, It's really not that complex. It shouldn't be foreign to us at all, because Jesus said, my house should be called what? House of prayer. So... Um, you know, it shouldn't be foreign. Unfortunately, it was at the time very foreign. And I remember being ridiculed, or hearing Bethany being ridiculed by many pastors, just mocking and kind of laughing and scoffing at her, like, you're going to start a house of prayer? Like, this is like the burial ground of all ministry. This is ridiculous. You guys should come and start a church if you're going to do anything in the city. And just 
viewed as very useless. So, so the first kind of five to seven years were very hard um, in the sense of just trying to stay faithful. But essentially, the house of prayer is just a place where people like to talk to God. You know, that's just simply um, you know, kind of defining what it means is we like to pray. You know, and it shouldn't be foreign at all because Jesus said, "My house should be called a house of prayer." Um, unfortunately, uh, through you know the years, we try to adapt or adopt new strategies and new kind of protocols to reach people, but. The one tool or weapon that God has given us to advance his kingdom is first in prayer. And so we highly emphasize prayer. I, I don't I view it above all else. God Jesus could have said, My house could shall be called the house of prophecy or healing or evangelism. He didn't. He said, My house will be called a house of prayer. It's very important. We need to kind of pay attention to it. And in our community we do. We emphasize it deeply. And so, um, this isn't really out of the ordinary, meaning prayer. It's not out of the ordinary in terms of being like a, something that's just not reduced to like, you know, I heard it explained by Ju Fugue, a minister out in Seattle like this, the, the two old ladies in the, um, the janitor closet of the church praying for revival, you know, for their church. It's, we're, we're not, we don't want to reduce prayer. should be kind of like a first place. And it certainly was in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, if you want to, if you have your Bibles, I can use yours, big. I didn't bring mine. Acts chapter 2, um, I just want to read a couple of verses, um, we'll start in verse 42, and, and I'm, I know that many of us are already familiar uh, with uh, this, but again, I'm not trying to sell something tonight. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel and try to pitch these lofty ideas of what we're going to do and what we're going to be and these plans of how we're going to achieve, you know, greatness in God. I'm here to just kind of, um, or I, what I would like to do is just kind of adhere to what we see in the Bible and do that. Thank you, Amy. Seriously, thank you. I mean, so, Acts chapter 2, 42, it says... And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Now, I want you to remember those words in verse 43. And fear, the other translation says, and the whole, um, the whole company was caught up in awe of God. And so, 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had a need. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple, and breaking bread in the house, from house to house, excuse me, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I love that verse right there. Simplicity. There, there, there's something. If we if we think about the story, the backstory is this is on the heels of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? Pretty remarkable, guys. The fulfillment of the promise of God being poured out, and three thousand people being added to the church in a day. Now, we're we're a growing church, and the numbers here sometimes frazzle me. Like we like how are we going to kind of disciple and in 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 coach and care for these people and, and, and we're not 
anywhere near being 3,000 strong. We're talking about a couple hundred maybe. And, and it's overwhelming. But what they did to kind of um, give structure to this growth was simplistic. It, it was so simplistic that it was, a, in my mind, and reading it, it's a bit offensive. I mean, I got people knocking at my door. We got to do this. We got to implement this structure and this this system to try to to try to manage this area and that area. And and really, in the Book of Acts, we see this very simplistic kind of behavior in stewarding. 3,000 people. And you know what? It just didn't stop with 3,000 people. You read in Acts chapter 5, verse 14, that the growth continued to take place. And you know what? I never saw once in the book of Acts that the strategy or the simplicity of how they managed that growth changed once. Now you are. Listen. (laughs) Some of you need to hear this because I've had conversations with you just this week of every kind of thing we should implement into our our ministry under the sun. And a lot of it is just overwhelming. Like, oh my God, I just, I signed up just to disciple people, preach God's word and advance the kingdom. But yet, we have to place structure and implement systems because we lack something largely that the early church had, and that was the Holy Spirit. That was the awe of God. You know, sometimes we think, like, maybe the growth was due to the, um, the simplicity of their structure or their organization and discipling people, but it wasn't. The Bible says that the whole company was caught up in awe of God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had a whole group or our whole church was caught up in awe of God, it would be very easy to manage this group. Because our eyes would be lifted. Our eyes would be vertical upon Jesus and not so horizontal. It's good, right? But we, you know, I've seen so many churches have been part of so many churches just trying to implement this, implement that, put this structure into place. Put the system, and again, I'm not against structures and systems. I, I need them. <laughs> like I'm finding out more and more as we grow. Oh, we need this, but I don't want to structure, you know, our church to death spiritually. I, I want, I don't want structure to be. I don't want to just pull when there's when there's trouble or there's there's uh, you know something happening where we just kind of result to like a cue card of like what do we do when this happens, <laughs> you know. It's boring. It's not heartfelt. It's not sincere. It's not genuine Christianity. It's programs. It's systems and structures. And I don't see that in the New Testament church. So what am I advocating for? Simplicity. I think the best thing we can do as a church as we grow, we will continue to grow. You will see that we will continue to grow. Is be very Simple, not reinvent the wheel, but adhere to what we already see within the text. So I'm not pitching a plan. Vision to me is is gaining vision first for my own life. God, what is my legacy? What is it, Lord, that you want me to leave? The imprint that you want me to leave here on earth and with people in their lives. And then my vision also extends out to my wife and my family. This is my vision. You're like, how can I love her better as Christ loved the church? Easily, to say it easily, my vision is to become more Christ-like. And I think any church who holds 
that vision close and precious to them succeeds. That it's not in systems or structures that people will be won and kept by God. But it's by His presence. It's by us first being inflamed by the Spirit of God. And I think that's the best path forward. I don't want to complicate things, and I don't see complication here. And I think when things in the church get complicated, and where we start to implement structures and systems to where they start to kill things, is because we've lost the awe of God. We're no longer dependent upon Jesus. We just have our cue cards, our what to do. When somebody rebels or sins or falls in their walk. And so, that's first. So, prayer is important. We've pretty much boiled down, I think, um, the vision to three parts, and that's prayer, um, that is evangelism, or, yeah, evangelism and community. Right? Honey, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? Oh, come on, you have something. Would you just add something to it? Make something up. No, I'm joking. Do you want me to add to that point or transition us to the next? You can transition to us to the next. Is that okay? I would, you know, I think probably we need to revisit this as we did when we were still, we, three years ago, were meeting in the the prayer room at J-Hop, and we went through the entire book of Acts. Who was there for that? Anybody? (laughs) We went through every single chapter. I think it took us like three months to do. It was wonderful and extraordinary. Um... But I would encourage us as a community to read through the book of Acts because what you'll find is that they lived in a culture of prayer. That whether it was in triumph and seeing 3,000 added, they immediately went to prayer. Or whether it was imprisonment and persecution, they were found praying and contending in prayer. And then that was the rhythm of their life. And so that's what we value. That's what we hold dear. And with that, we actually find in this passage of scripture where it talks about um, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that's that they were in the temple praying and the breaking of bread from house to house, that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And why don't we just all repeat gladness and simplicity of heart? Come on. <laughs> just let it wash over you. Yeah. <laughs> Gladness and simplicity of heart. I can guarantee that if as individuals we're contending for gladness and simplicity of heart, it creates a very healthy environment when you're in community. You want to talk about evangelistic strategy? Just try being joyful. Seriously, seriously. Try being glad. Because we live in a culture that's immersed in sadness, depravity, depression. You just try being glad, and you see what that might do within your workspace, in your home, with your family. No, it's good. So from the place of prayer, um, you, do you want to talk to yes. on evangelism now? So, no, let's, uh, let's just talk a little bit more about prayer. Um, <laughs> we're going to stay on prayer. <laughs> no, no, we're going to stay there, but this is, this is important, right? We talked about in Jesus, uh, his words in Matthew 21, uh, 12 through 13. Honey, can you turn us there? Sure. You guys can turn there, too. Matthew 21. I'll get there, guys. Matthew 21. God, who has the hard copies filled with pages? Come on, I want to hear those pages turn. Yeah. We're going to transition here. Okay. Um, so here it is in verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, temple, excuse me, and overturned the tables of the money changers. That's key. 
and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And we touched upon this a little bit earlier, but, you know, I believe that whenever the church leaves this place, the place of prayer, we start to sell ourselves and market ourselves. We start to just put an image out there. And rather just, you know, preaching the gospel and and, and adhering to a, 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 a fervent prayer life, a, a life like in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians calls us to uh, um, uh, unceasing prayer, that we begin to think of other strategies on how to win and how to look cool and how to present Jesus, you know. And so this is a key for us, guys. We want everything to start in prayer. And we're going to transition. We have to move on. And sustained in prayer. So evangelism. I mean, this is a no-brainer, right? I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, do we even need to talk about this? Listen to Romans chapter 10, uh, 10 through 17. It says, For with his heart one believes, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. saved." Sorry. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's where we, 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 we focus in. The words of Paul. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Who is Paul addressing? Us. There's no option in sharing our faith. Now, I can't give you like a one, two, three program on how to do it. Listen, I think you can start with being joyful and glad. I think it's a good place to start. Um, but but we are responsible. Jesus said in Mark uh, 16 through 15, and he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. That, that lies on us, guys. We can't be silent. We have to share our faith. Evangelism is like a no-brainer. And oftentimes in the church, we try to reduce it to like, you know, groups and just, it's all in the church's, you know, arms and their responsibility to initiate. No. We are all, Bob Weiner used to say this, all my full-time ministers, stand up. And like, you know, two full-time ministers would stand up and there'd be like 150 people in the room and he'd be like, no, no, no. He's like, all my full-time ministers, stand up. And no one stood up except for these two people. He rebuked the whole room. He's like, you have to understand, you guys are all full-time ministers. Period. He's like, you're in your workplace? You're a minister. You're in your family that's backslidden or unsaved? You're a minister. There's no option here. The, the, The root definition of gospel is news that should be announced. We can't, it's a no-brainer. It's even sad that we're even talking about it. it, it should, no, but seriously, it should be just the extension. It should be very natural. We have some of the best news. Why we're sharing it, I don't know. Nobody hides this good news under a basket. They don't keep it to themselves. They don't hide it away. They proclaim it. They shut it from the rooftops. 
I think an important point when we're talking about us as a community of people valuing evangelism, it's very easy to kind of look at organized outreach as your opportunity to evangelize, which is important, you know, that we do those organized things. Um, but it really, just like prayer, should be the ebb and the flow of our life. That's really, good. evangelism should be the ebb. Like, I, I actually, because I have a son and because I homeschool and things like that, I can't make it to outreach. But that doesn't mean that wherever I am, whether it's my neighborhood, whether it's the hotel lobby, wherever I happen to be, that when there's opportunity to engage and you can hear someone. How many of you guys know, just enter into conversation with people. They're talking about mental breakdowns. They're talk- I mean, they just open up their heart. And, you know, you, you don't have to present the entire gospel there in five seconds. I was just in a hotel lobby, and this um, military man was talking to me about, basically about his mental breakdown. And I didn't have to go, like, do you know Jesus Christ? I just looked at him, and I said, have you ever thought about just, like, closing yourself in a room and just talking to God? Just, like... Let it all out because he's done like 30 tours like overseas and seen terrible things. And I said, just between you and God, just pour out your heart because he cares and he, he'll hear. And, you know, right there in the lobby, the guy's crying. <laughs> you know, he's like, Ugh. but the, the thing is, is people are broken and they're in need. And so not waiting for an opportunity that it's something organized and it's structured. And now this is my job from nine to 10 to share my faith. But just look for the opportunities, whether it's on the bus or on the T or whoever it may be in front of you, that it's just, it, he is your source of life. And so you just share from that place your experience of what he's done in your life. Let me give you just a practical uh, of what evangelism looks like. I'm going up my Facebook page. This is the Hilltop Student Group. This is AJ Park. After prayer, I took an Uber home and my driver was a chatty guy. I indulged him in small talk, but then, when we weren't even out of Cambridge, I felt the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit saying, share the gospel with him. After groaning inside, I transitioned our conversation to deeper matters, and long story short, I took him to a Mexican restaurant, explained that this was my gesture of a platonic friendship. We grilled chicken. We talked about the meaning of life, trusting in people. I'm tr- trusting in chicken, no, in people. I'm sorry, in so- the sovereignty of God. And there's more stories that are just forming on this page of just taking those steps of faith to reaching people where they are. This is what evangelism looks like. It doesn't look like the church just having another, you know. Uh, organized, you know, rally in the community. It looks like us just sharing with our Uber drivers, our chefs, our co-workers, our, our, you know, people that we're going to school with. It couldn't be said better. And then lastly, um, community, which actually on this note, we're actually going to introduce our small group leaders. Let's just, if you look around, just even with the people that are present in this room today, and this isn't even the entirety of our community, we have many people that are missing, that are active parts of our volunteer staff, you know, there's no way that Daryl and I can effectively care for the needs of all of the people in this room. There's no way that we can socially make connection, there's no way that we can kind of do the weekly checkups of how are you, how's your heart, how's your family, keep you accountable, all of those things. But we still have a life. I mean, <laughs> but with that said, really, our small groups are the most effective way, and the people that are leading them, really what they're doing is they're helping us pastor people. 
They're the people that are there to break bread and to hear the stories and have actually the more intimate connection and fellowship. And it's really, that is the most practical and effective way that we have found that the hearts and the needs of the people in the community can be met, but truly that family can be created. Because let's be honest, this is fun to all come together and we all get to see each other. And there's people that I wouldn't be in your small group, so I love coming here and seeing you and hugging you. But we can't really create family in this environment. You're not able to share your heart. And to be honest, there's a lot of people that aren't able to exercise their gifts in this environment. And if you look in Ephesians where it talks about every joint supplying, in the small group community, that's where people can share word of knowledge, word of wisdom. There's, there's that organic, very small structure where hearts are known, we can be known, and we can minister one to another in an intimate context like that. And so I would encourage you, if you're here and this is your home and your family, you need to be in a small group. You need to be making that connection. Those are the people that are really going to know when you're going through a hard time and you need support. Those are the people that are going to know and understand and walk alongside of you and support you. Those are going to be the people that will hold you accountable. And that's the place where you can really be known. And so we want to introduce our small group leaders and give them time to share, and then we're going to have time afterwards. Go ahead. Come on, guys. Small group leaders. Um, So we have our small group leaders here. We actually, um, Daniela DeMatos is starting a Monday night, it's going to be an inner healing small group. So for all of you (laughs) that recently even have said, oh, I need a so-so, or I need, and I've actually said to you, I'm like, no, 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 you're going to go for eight weeks. You're going for eight weeks with Daniela. So to be honest, I would encourage anyone and everyone to jump on board. And I would actually say to you, if you have a heart for inner healing and to minister to other people, you, we're, we have to limit the numbers because of the structure and the way that we're doing it. But you should jump on board and learn from her. Actually, Soraya is going to co-lead with Daniela. I want you to hear Soraya. And we have Will and Amy and Sarah that are leading the professional small group. We just want to acknowledge Wendy. Why don't you stand up, Wendy? Wendy is amazing. She has given leadership to the professional small group for quite some time. And she she's amazing at facilitating and creating community. And she's really had a heart to start a small group at her place of work. And so she's going to be giving more time and attention to that in this season. She may have another season of being involved with the professionals here. Um, but we just want to thank you, Wendy, for the time that you've given to pass by Wendy as far as the way in her workplace that she is a light and we're going to hear more from her as far as being used in your workplace and being used of God um, in that area of evangelism. Thank you, Wendy, so much. We love you. And then for um, college ministry, we have Allegra and Matthew and AJ and Annie. God brings together no man. <laughs> this is Matt, Matthew's wife, Annie. <laughs> and a 
AJ. Um, they're they're leading the college group, and we're, we're going to give everybody time to share. <laughs> and then Katya and David are overseeing the. Are we missing someone? Yes. Oh, you look <laughs> Are overseeing the uh, married couple small group. Yeah. I'm actually. We're going to start with Daniela because Daniela has a child in kids church. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so why don't we start here? Okay, so we'll be doing the inner healing group, Soraya and I, and you may be asking, um, you may not know what that is, like inner healing, what does that entail? And I have a definition for you. It's um, replacing the lies that we harbor with the truth of Jesus Christ. Okay. It's simply, it's, it's um, uh, and okay, so you, you may think, I don't believe in any lies. If I knew it was a lie, I'd let it go. That's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, let's start with the word of God. You know, God is love, right? And we can trust him. He's a trusting and kind father. But a lot of times we don't feel loved by him, do we? And we can't run to him when we do something wrong. We actually do the opposite. run away from him because we actually don't trust him. Um, And that is a lie. That's not based in the Bible. It's something that, it's it's a thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And um, another one says, Give and it shall come back to you with measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So why aren't we all giving with much joy? (laughs) Right? Because... Deep inside, we don't believe that God is really going to give back, or, or we don't trust that he's going to provide. And that's also a lie. It's, it's based on a lie, and it's based in experience we learned in our lives. Um, okay, and how do we find those lies then? Like, you know, um, And they're mostly rooted in our emotions. You, know, you can't trust your emotions to make big, huge, life-changing decisions. But you can trust your emotions to always tell you the truth of what you believe inside. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> so come because we're gonna learn tools <laughs> to help you uncover the lies, to help you release forgiveness um, towards those who have hurt you, and um, to set you free from sin because sin and poor, um, our poor choices in life, a lot of times, are vain attempts at us managing our pain, isn't it? And um, when the Lord Jesus speaks truth to our hearts, we no longer need to manage that pain. And we no longer struggle with that sin. Um, so, yes, so the, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall set you free, right? And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So this is, is maintenance-free deliverance. It's the kind of stuff that once Jesus speaks to you, that's it. And you are delivered from it. And there's nothing, you know, that's it. <laughs> um, but um, in the essence of it, inner healing is experiential relationship with Jesus Christ. It is knowing him and having him speak to you in your experiences and it's a lifelong journey, and he loves that journey, and he invites you to go along with him in that journey. Um, and finally, so it's going to be an eight-week course. Again, um, the concepts build on each other, 
So we do ask that you have regular attendance. Um, and uh, we'll be meeting at J-Hop in the back room starting um, next Monday, the 19th at 7 o'clock. Because of limitations of space, and like she said, as far as really wanting consistency, that's not me that doesn't mean that you can't like miss one week. Um, but it's not the kind of thing. Well, I'm going to pop in this small group one week, and then pop in this one. And but she is building upon principles. And so, if you want to commit to the eight week process, you can see Daniela um, after our time here, and you can go ahead and sign up. But like I said, it is limited space. Um, and because of the structure of it, we need to limit it. So you can see her, and you do need to sign up so that we know that you're committed to that. Thank you so much, Daniela. Yes. You guys are going to enjoy your time with Daniela. She's such a pleasure. Do you want to be professionals? Sure. Hey, hey. So, hey. professional small group. It, it was the grown-up small group. We are sorry to announce it's back to being the pro small group. <laughs> Just seemed to be more descriptive. Although the grown-up's name was fun. Um, but... It's, uh, we just want to invite anybody who's a professional uh, in the workplace, grad students, basically anybody who's out of college, um, come join our group. Um, these guys are going to share more about like what we're going to be studying and the course of it, which is really exciting. I am phenomenally excited. I mean, we've been having a great time discussing messages and kind of bringing uh, what God's been giving us, but we're going to do some more in-depth study of the Word um, in this next year, I guess. But uh, for me, I'm really excited as far as just building community, building really strong discipleship relationships. Yeah. A lot of you guys, and you know, this is, I think Paul said it, you should be discipling other people by now. Mm -hmm. And we want to get to that place, especially for the working professionals, that we would be discipling people, yeah. not just getting fed, but feeding other people. Yeah. I think that's really what I see God doing with us in the next Amen. year. Um, so I have every intention of helping develop that. Um, as far as community, we just get together, we eat together, it's awesome, it's fun, we have fun, we just get to know each other, then we take communion, and then we study the Word. It's going to be amazing, it has been amazing, and it's going to be great. I'm really excited, especially for what Sarah and Amy are going to lead. Which one of you guys want to take it next? Sarah. Yeah, so um, we have been talking and we decided over the next year we're going to be just doing um, some more in-depth study of the Bible. We're going to pick a book and we're kind of going to go every week, um, chapter by chapter, line by line. Um, Amy's going to explain kind of the method that we're going to use. Um, but the real reason that we decided to do this is based on what Paul says about how we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I just think it's appropriate based on you know the holiness series we've been going through. Um, so much of that starts in the mind, and um, I think just Richard Foster has an amazing um, chapter in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, called The Discipline of Study, um, which we're going to go over the first week, um, just kind of talk about like what it's going to look like to really in-depth study the Bible, and then in addition to that, we do really want to be missional. Um, we don't want to just read the text and intake, but we also want to output, so we're going to be interspersing some apologetics, um, some kind of like how, not just like, oh, memorize all the arguments for, you know, abortion or whatever, um, but more just like how do you have a conversation, kind of sharing the stories um, that we've all had with coworkers and friends, um, and just kind of try to grow together in that. So Amy's going to explain kind of the method of what we're going to do to go through it. 
Um, so Sarah and I have done this before. Um, has anyone ever heard of inductive Bible study? Yeah. So I did it with university in college. I forget what you did it with. But um, what I love about it is it's very um, um, easy for people with a whole range of experience with the Bible. So if someone has never, I, I find with a lot of friends, well, I don't have anything to say. I don't really know the Bible well. So that's actually a barrier for people to come to small group because they're really nervous that people are going to go on and on and on, cross-reference passages, and talk about six sermons they heard over the past 15 years of their walk with God. So it's really not very welcoming, actually, especially with what Daryl and Bethany were talking about, bringing more and more people in, wanting to invite people. So it's very uh, welcoming, but then if you've been walking with God for 50 years, it's also you're going to get something out of it. So three steps. Observation is number one. Number two is interpretation. What does the passage actually mean? Not to, not what we think it means, but what the author actually intended to communicate. And number three is application. So that's after the last, last thing, don't start there. Mm. Don't think about, you know, what that word makes me think of. It's like Sarah was saying, it's, it's, we're going to use our mind. We're going to worship God with our mind by studying the same way that we put in our coursework. We're going to put that into yeah. the Bible. Yeah. And then you get to do it on your own personal devotion time, too. So, anyway, we're excited. Thank you. Now we're going to hear from our college. Amen. It's got a mic. Of course you guys. All right. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Can I get the group, the squad, to stand up? You know who you are. Israel Shaw, Katie, all you guys over there Friday, Kelsey. Here we go. All right, so guys, this is College Small Group. Um, essentially, we're just focused on three core things. I'm going to be really brief. One, building intimacy with God. Two, building fellowship with each other. And three, doing God-inspired action. Yeah. And it's so funny that Daryl sh- shared those three core things, um, really, because those, those are the same things that actually God gave me to share. And I just want to read, um, which I mean, which is awesome because I'm in the street. Um, I want to read. Uh, I want to read a passage of scripture real quick um, that just really kind of highlights this. Um, it's Psalms 23, and it's verse five. It says, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil." My cup overflows with oil. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what we want to do is we want to have that oil that God is going to build in us through intimacy. We want it to overflow on this city. We want it to overflow on this region. And then I love this next verse when it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That when we lift up a fragrance before the Lord, when we offer to be available and poured out before God, that it actually brings him glory. That honors actually do his name. And this last verse that says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We want to build sons and daughters. No more slave mentality. I think there's a lot of people in our generation that are so accustomed to being a slave, but we want to build sons and daughters. So if you guys want to burn with us yeah. and add fire to the to the wood, come join us at College Small Group. We're going to meet on Wednesday nights at 7 at the house. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Saturday morning prayer set led by Peter Kim. I don't know where Peter is. He's a Korean guy with long hair, so if you see him, he's a kid's church. So we got Saturday morning praise, and guys, it is awesome. We get loud, we pray, we worship God, we prepare the grounds, it's awesome. And then we're also going to be doing outreach, actually, Israel's going to be um, doing some outreach efforts, so we're going to be going out. If you guys, actually, if you're here from the college outreach, could you just put your hand up? I don't mean to embarrass you. If you were, uh, if you came from like either the BU, the Northeastern, or BC campus, there you go. We got a couple people in the house. Come on, welcome out. Give it up for these people. These are new believers in the house. Amen. Amen. 
So guys, if you are in college, if you have a heart for college campuses, if you want to see God really birth this, or return the birth of the student volunteer missions movement in our day and time, guys, come and burn with us. It's going to be an awesome time. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. Gotta love the zeal of the young people. No, seriously. Cherish you guys, man. These guys, um, there's something happening amongst the students. It's just remarkable. I think in our three years, I don't know if I've given witness to just the passion for Christ that's kind of emerging. And um, just appreciate your work with Matthew and Annie and Allegra and DJ. It's awesome. Keep up the good work. This right here. David and Katia Fartek, put your hands together. They're going to be doing couples, and we're going to pass them on to them to share a little bit about that. Okay. Hey, Matt, I have a passage too. Come on. <laughs> okay. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn in Genesis 3 8. Just to give some scriptural, scriptural background to our small group. Okay. Okay, Genesis 3.8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, our Slovene translation says, In the fresh breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, this is the background of our um, small group, but what I really like in this passage is the cool of the day. When is cool in the day? Can you give me the answer? In the morning. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, maybe someone is sleeping at that time of the day, but still sleeping, but okay. But there is something powerful in, in this passage. There is something powerful when we are not, not hiding from the Lord, but when we come in the morning and we look His presence, we want to spend this most precious time of the day and to spend this time with God. And Katya, how are we going to do that in our small group? Thanks, David. So um, we're excited for this year to um, bring kind of a new formation for the couples ministry. Um, we're looking to um, split the couples ministry up into smaller groups. Right now we're looking at three to four smaller groups depending on the need. And um, we will be meeting weekly on Wednesday or there's a Thursday option for couples that a Thursday would work better for them. And we will still have the once a month potluck dinner where the whole couples ministry is kind of coming, coming together to share a meal and fellowship. Um, and what we're going to do with what David was saying is the expectation for the small group um, for the couples is to share a daily devotional time in the morning. We will pick a book that we will go through together 
and like every couple will do it on their own every morning and then come to the Wednesday or Thursday small group ready to share and bring something already. They can either bring testimonies, prayer requests, questions, you know, encouragement for the other parts of the group, other couples. Um, and this way the whole couples minister will kind of go into the same direction following the same devotional book, but also there's some uniqueness to each group to meet them where they're at. And that kind of means that each small group really will depend on where you guys are at and what you're bringing to the table, what you want to look, what you want it to look like. Um, that being said, the group is not going to be a time of teaching or someone preaching to you, but it's really um, sharing life around the family table and to encourage one another through the word and prayer. That to be made possible also requires consistency. So we really ask that the couples that do sign up to be part of the weekly small group, that you're consistent, that you're, you know, like, just like in a family, like, we need each other. If we want to grow closer with each other, so that what Bethany was saying, we can hold each other accountable, grow with each other, love on each other, we need to get to know each other, and that only can be possible if we're there consistently. We can't know someone if we see them maybe once a month or once every other month, and then we see them at the potluck dinner where there's, like, 50 people. So that's what we ask of the couples, and... We're going to, it will be the married small, couple small group, but also it's open to engaged couples. I think that's it. And I will have a sign up. So for everyone, see me up. Oh, question? Yes. So if you're dating, can you come? No, you have to be engaged. Engaged. Put the ring on. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on. You're going to have a ring on it, maybe. Okay, we know that you guys got to get going. Can you guys put your hands together for our small group leaders? Listen, if you have any questions, you want to brush up on some of the details, times, and such, meet with these guys after this gathering, okay? Uh, And they'll be glad to brief you and to further brush up what needs to be brushed up. we're going to do some announcements, and then we're going to let everybody go. Okay, we, we promised to be done by 8.30, and we're actually going to be done before 8.30. Someone say amen. 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 Okay, so announcements. Here we go. Next Sunday, we're meeting at 10 a.m. here at this spot, right here, okay? So please help us. Tell friends and family of the church. Tell them 10 a.m. be here. We have a special guest, Chad Waller from, um, yeah, so you love him. I love him. You're going to love him. Trust me. Uh, He's going to be here with us sharing the word at 10 a.m. next Sunday. Um, And then the week after is an evening service. Yeah. (laughs) Hallelujah. No, but seriously, it is. Um, I think there's going to be three times um, in the fall that we're going to have to tweak our uh, meeting time. And what I think we're going to do is have a worship service. There will be more details on that coming. And so... um, yeah, so Chad Wallace here next uh, Sunday, 10 a.m., and then the following Sunday we have an evening service. Uh, also, we are still gearing up for 110. The conference is coming up with Lou Engel, Corey Asbury. Come on, somebody. It's Corey Asbury. Are we aware of, this, of who this guy is? He's awesome. He's bringing his whole team, Brian Kim, uh, Stephen Venable. Listen, Brian Kim and Stephen Venable are going to bless you guys tremendously. These guys are not necessarily well-known names, 
But I tell you, I've stood under their teaching. Phenomenal. Stephen Venable will rock your world, okay? And that's a good thing, okay? It's a good thing. So they're going to be with us October 14th through the 16th. We also have the 110 Kids Conference. There's no way or reason not to register. There's going to be something for the kids. Somebody say something, something. for the children. All right, Lou Engel's going to be part of that. There's also some um, worship leaders coming up from KC that are going to kind of encourage and provoke uh, and teach on worship. They'll be engaged in the prophetic and ministry. It's going to be an awesome time for the children. Bring them. They're going to be blessed. That's going to happen Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. So all registration, I'm sorry, we need people to register for this conference. We have limited space. Um, we just can't have it open to the thousands. I think we can fit 600, maybe a little over. Uh, and that's, once we get to that number, no more. So you're going to want to register for this. It's going to bless you guys tremendously to be part of this event. We don't just do events to do events. We really believe that these things are catalytic, and they provoke deeper love uh, for Christ within us. And so they're very, um, I don't know, pivotal or epic Whatever. Okay, so October 14th through 16th, you can register tonight, right now. Why wait any longer? Right there in the back, Michelle Morrison. Will be out there. You can run your debit card right there and register. Come on, somebody. That's not convenient. I don't know what it is. Michelle, Michelle, do you still need volunteers? Yes, we yeah. do. <laughs> we volunteers. And volunteers, if you so choose to volunteer, you can get in for free. You can, she can sign you up right now. Um, yeah, for free. But the cost is, 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 is really nothing. It's $15. I think it's 20 for one child, 40 for additional child, children, right? No. What is, <laughs> what is it? I think it's $15 a kid. Sorry. If you have three or more, it's just 40 for all of your, okay. your equipment. All right, cool. So register. We need help. You can get it for free. Um, I think that's it, if memory serves me right. Prayer goes on Monday, guys. Be in the house of prayer. Starts Monday, goes through Saturday night. Morning and night. Uh, mornings, uh, eight, I'm sorry, 7 to 8.30, and nights, 7 to 9. Anyways, be blessed, guys. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. You're going to love Chad Waller on the 18th. Okay, bless Don't forget your children. <laughs> Yeah, the small group leaders will be up in the front here to connect with anybody who's interested, to get more information, just to keep the clutter from the back row. Please register, register for the conference. Next Sunday, 10 a.m. here at the ballroom, Chad Waller. So it makes the graphics. Thank you. Yeah, I think if we put them out there as far as